0: and welcome to episode 323 of The Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, here with Megan Francis, whose birthday it is today. Happy birthday.
1: Thank you. It's It doesn't feel like my birthday because the day that we're recording this, of course, it's not actually my birthday. But um, yeah, the day this one goes live, it will be my birthday. And it's kind of funny because you know how you cycle through, like, you get used to your birthdays being on a weekend because uh-huh. for like three for years, years in a row, it's mm-hmm. on a weekend. And so now I've got a Tuesday birthday and that's weird because it was even weird last year when I had a Monday birthday because I had just gotten used to, yeah, like long weekends full of birthday celebrations. And I guess now I just have to have a longer weekend. Maybe as you're listening to this, I might be on day five of my birthday weekend.
0: Yeah. Or just kicking off for the next five day days. one. <laughs> Who, knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, Well, yeah, I thought it is kind of fun. First of all, I always think it's fun when an episode day falls on one of our birthdays just because I am calendar oriented and I always look and I'm like, oh, that's fun. Um, But also because we're talking about birthdays today and we're talking about our kids' birthdays. So hopefully you all are caught up on our other house rules for fill in the blank episodes. This is a new series we're doing. Now I can officially say we're doing it on the last Tuesday of the month, and I think we'll continue that for until people are, are tired of it, but the main um, idea behind these episodes is these are suggestions for ways to make your family life easier through little. Um, we call them house rules, but it could you could look at them as just like a like a little hack or a system. Um, and the main the main thing I always want to be really clear is we're gonna throw out a million ideas for managing kids' birthday parties and gifts and thank you notes and stuff today. You're not supposed to take all of these. We're just showing you. You couldn't because
1: some of them conflict.
0: They totally (laughs) conflict. Yeah. Yeah. It's more like we're offering a peek into how families all over the country and all over the world manage some of the stress and some of like the conundrums that come along with kids' birthdays. And then you get to listen to these great ideas and kind of pick and choose. And I just love hearing about, I love hearing about people's family of origins and the rules they grew up with. I love picturing moms coming up with a rule because it solves a problem that they uniquely have in their family whether that's that they have a whole bunch of kids with similar like with birthdays the same time of year or they've got twins or they've got like a really large extended family so these are not one size fits all these are like oh that sounds kind of like my situation i think i'll take that one and then you take it <laughs> and you do it so that's what we're doing today megan i was so curious when when i was reading these i thought i wonder if megan the megan of 20 years ago or 15 years ago just starting out in motherhood who's having all these little boys, they all have fall birthdays. If you had seen a list of rules like this or a list of ideas and suggestions for managing birthdays, do you think you would have been like, oh, that's a great idea? Or is you're more um, you're not super rule oriented naturally. So did you just sort of come to your own birthday family culture in a more like organic way?
1: I think it was pretty organic. But the funny thing is, for being someone who you're right, I'm not very rule oriented when it comes to like house, I don't know, like that, like putting a lot of rules on my kids about things like screen time and things like that. There is something about, we do have a very strong, this is how we do things in our house culture in my family and always have, but it just, we kind of get to it differently. We get there because that's what we do. And we do it enough times. Like we've said, you do it enough times Mm -hmm. until it just becomes the way you do it. And then that's, that's a rule. But it's almost like if I called it a rule that I'd want to not do it, So yeah, um, yeah, I'd want to rebel against it. So I think it, I think of it more like just that thing we do. It's just the way we are. And, um, birthdays in particular, I think can be really emotional. And, and I was trying to think about why some of these might even rub someone the wrong way. Um, and in particular, there were things like about, um, expectations around gifts or, Things like in some households, I've, I remember being very taken aback, um, going to birthday parties with young kids where other kids were allowed to like open the presents or blow out the birthday kids' candles. And that was like shocking to me because mm-hmm. that would have just never have flown in my family of origin. And a birthday is sort of this unique environment where like you're inviting other people and all the rules that they've absorbed into your home. And then it affects your kid. And I remember feeling really protective of my kids, like being able to have their own, I don't know, like have their own birthday the way they wanted it on their birthday and, and getting like almost like mad or offended about things like that. And then finally realizing as time went by that it was, it's just that some families do it differently. And in some families, it would really be no big deal for them to all share blowing out the cake or like blowing out the candles on the cake. And Um, Or they would all like kind of take turns with the presents, And like that to me was just like, what? So yeah, I just think that there's something that can like it can almost be emotional or feel personal in a way that maybe other house rules wouldn't. So I just think that's an interesting thing to keep in mind when we're like rattling off this list, because there might be some that you disagree with, like very, very strongly in a way that you don't even know where it came from.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And the other thing is each of these families who've told us what their house rules are, obviously their, their family makeup and their family of origin is so unique and different that we can't, we can't apply that to our own situation unless it makes sense. And I'm thinking of the rules that um, could feel limiting, like you only get a friend birthday party when you can start having friend parties when you turn ten. A couple people said that. Other people said they do friend parties every year until you're ten, and then you stop. It's like literally right. the exact right. opposite. The and opposite. It just, yep. Just a reminder that everything from your socioeconomic status to the schools you attend to the norms in your region to how large your extended family is. Um, and we have like yep. a lot about thank you notes and things. Again, where it's like the direct opposite rule. And so I actually look at this as like. Let this challenge your brain and remind you, like you said, Megan, that um, these are personal and very cultural routines and rituals. And we have some ability to be intentional. Like I could hear some of these and be like, oh, yeah, I want to do that. But I'm also going to hear some that be like, that would never work in my family. And that's okay too.
1: Right. Well, and when I had, you know, four little boys um, two like that were in basically groups of two, I would set it up so that they very intentionally had sibling groups invited to their birthday parties. That was to make it easier on me. They did a lot of joint birthday parties, but that had a lot to do with just the chaos in my house, how many kids there were, how tired I was, how, you know, how overwhelming it would have been for me to plan four birthday parties right in a row in the fall, September, October, November, December. A lot of that was like self-preservation. And then when Clara came along, She was a March birthday. We didn't have any other spring birthdays. Uh, There was a gap between the, you know, the next youngest and her. She didn't have a sibling follow her up. So then it was like, ooh, now I can do the things that my boys just really didn't get. Like she had a real birthday party with a bunch of little girls when she turned, I want to say four. I mean, five maybe. It was like kind of a big thing that I would not have done for the boys. I don't think not only because I just couldn't, but because they didn't really care or need it in the same way because they already had this big pack of sibling groups that they were running with and cut and built in boy cousins that they were hanging out with all the time. So like every day was a party. Um, (laughs) so their parties were very, very different. So I guess the other caveat would be, you might not be in a place right now that anything we suggest would fly, but maybe you'll be there with a future child or when your current kids get a little older and you might change things up. And that's cool too. Like rules don't have to be rules forever.
0: Nope. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah.
1: That's from our O-U-R code mom hour.
0: OK, so we got a lot of great uh, suggestions for how to celebrate a kid's birthday. And also to me, what comes through in these is how to set your kids expectations for what the options are for celebrating their birthday. And what I want to start with is when you send a kid to preschool, if you do, if you choose to send a kid to preschool and the invitations start coming in. Your three or four year old has very limited life experience for understanding how birthdays work and what different families like they're not listening to this podcast with the context that different families do things differently. So it's very easy for your little kid to think it's their birthright to get (laughs) a full birthday party at the bouncy house place because that's what it seems to them like all their friends are getting. And carry that forward times multiple kids for many years and you could be out like you could have no money left over because it, there, it, there, it's a self-limiting thing. You can't do big parties every year for every kid unless, that's, unless you do. And then that's cool, too. But I think what came through in these is parents wanting to help their kids make choices about how they celebrate within a framework that works for that family. So I don't know. We can both go back and forth and, and toss out some that, that spoke to us.
1: Okay, Sarah, I'm going to start with this one because I, this one just made me laugh because I'm pretty sure it it comes from Elizabeth and the version that wound up here was edited, but I believe she said something like she would rather eat glass or like be stabbed in the eye eye than to go to a child's birthday party. So they host drop-off parties as soon as, as it's practical. And I just have this memory of the first time one of my boys was invited to a drop-off party and how magical that, like I wasn't sure if it was a drop-off party or not. They weren't really clear in the invitation and it was Jacob and I think he was like, I don't, oh no, it was Jacob and Isaac. They both got invited and I showed up to the door and I knew the parents and I kind of did that awkward thing where I'm like kind of hovering in the entryway with Mm -hmm. the two little boys and they ran off and the mom's like, okay, see you later. And I was like, wait, I get to leave? I was so Excited because I got, you know, I think at this point I probably had Will. He was there, you know, like a little baby. And he and I got to go, I don't know, to Target or something. And it yeah. felt like such a gift. And I remember thinking, like, from henceforth, I shall never have a party that is not a drop off party because it was such a gift to me as the mom. But also yeah. I kind of feel like it was a gift to the host parents. Oh, yeah. Not to have to entertain yes. um, the other families. Cause that's so awkward. Like, not only are you trying to run a party. And, like, take care of all these kids and keep them all occupied. But you're also trying to, like, play hostess to parents you don't know. It's awful. It's terrible. It's it's awful. But I will say that's one of those things where depending on the school your kids are in or the friend group or the neighborhood or the town, um, sometimes the norms around that are hard to suss out and they can be wildly different depending on all those factors. Agreed. Has that been your experience, Sarah? You've been in a few different preschool situations with your kids yes. in school no. situations.
0: Okay. I have definitely I, I just agree with you. And did you see Elizabeth's rule for how big these parties are? Because this is what blew my mind, because I've had yes. at home drop off parties. But it's been really hard for me to be consistent with exactly like what my kids are like. What's the theme? How many kids can they invite? What do I really want if I'm bringing kids into my home? So her hers is so brilliant because she has a limit on the number.
1: Yeah, it's the same plus or minus one as the age of the birthday kid. Now, ironically for me, I think that my parties have gone in the other direction. I think that they've shrunk in size um, Mm -hmm. as the kids have gotten older. And mostly because I don't want uh, 16 teenagers at my 16 year old (laughs) birthday party. So that's one of those. Again, that might be one of those those rules that works really well till they're like 10. And then you're like, okay, this is out of hand. Now we have to like cap it or let's start doing like maybe more expensive experience based birthday parties yeah. where we're going someplace and then you you're limited by the expense to how many kids you could have or how many yes. kids you can fit in the car when you drive to the movies whatever it is right so i think that um that is brilliant and one of those things that you might have to play with a little bit but i i did think that i liked that it gave her a rule around it
0: yeah and i was picturing the really little ones because often people are like well when can i do a drop off party when like that sounds like a nightmare. I don't want 16, four-year-olds dropped off at my house. (laughs) I can't do that by myself. But if you have that rule with your own children, then I could do, I could see a five-year-old drop-off party with five kids. Like it depends on the kids and what your home is like. But I think you could actually start drop-offs earlier if you had that plus or minus one for the number of guests. And I do think it works all the way up till like what you said, like age 10. And then, and then there's a cap or something, but um, six, six-year-olds, seven, seven-year-olds. It makes sense. And it's very smart, Elizabeth. So I love that.
1: Very smart. And the other thing I would say too is that that then eliminates the um, assumption or even the possibility of an all-classroom party. And I uh-huh. am highly in favor of limiting or eliminating that as an option for a lot of reasons that I think we'll dig into. You know, I don't want to talk too much when we're trying to share um, listeners tips and stuff. But for one of the reasons being, I think that there's this, sense that there's, um, this inflated sense that your kid's birthday party matters at all to anyone outside of your family, like, mm-hmm. and maybe their best friends and like almost this feeling of like guilt if you don't invite everybody, but the other families, the other parents probably would be very grateful not to get another birthday party invitation for a Saturday when they'd really like to just get stuff done or hang out with their yep. family. So like I would, I would ins- assume the opposite direction that Unless it's a close friend, most people would just as soon not get the invitation, which is maybe a jaded way of looking at it. But that's the that's the rule I have in my head. So, yeah,
0: no, I love it. Um, OK, well, I'm going to I'm going to group a few together here because I think what a lot of these moms have come up with for their family is a way to limit the number of times your kid can have an all classroom or an all friend I'm going to call it like a big friend party. And sometimes these are at a trampoline place. Sometimes they're at Chuck E. Cheese. They might be in your backyard or at a park, but these are the parties we've just been talking about, the ones where everybody's invited and there's like, they're expensive and they're, mm-hmm. they're, it's a lot for your family to commit to. And so we've had several moms. So Sophia, Stephanie, Heather have come up with something in their family where, in, in one case, it might be you don't get to have a friend party until you're 10 or until you're in third grade or until you're in elementary school. We heard versions of this, different variations. So then the little ones, the little guys, the two, three, four, five year olds, um, they just celebrate with the cousins and the, and the family. And, and Megan, that's like in your family, there's enough cousins and aunts and uncles that it feels like a party anyway. But we had other people actually say the opposite, that you mm. get the big friend party, the preschool at the bouncy house place until you turn 10. And then you're cut off. You no longer get that party. And and instead you can invite like one friend to go to a movie or um, some kind of like a more experience based. And so I think my point is kids get very into birthdays around the age of four or five. In my experience, they've been to enough parties. They've seen all the cool places in town and they will start conceiving of their own birthday party and, and telling people about it and telling people what the theme is before you've even had a chance to confer with them. So I, I love the idea of having pretty, um, pretty well established family norms about when and how you, you get these big parties. Maybe it's not, maybe it's, you know, um, Cassie also Cassandra has five kids and in her family, they do one big party per year and it just rotates. So like each kid, Oh, you know, like Isaac, you're up. It's your year to have a big Mm -hmm. party. Everybody else gets family only. So there's a a million ways to do it, but I'm such a big fan of having, having your kids know what that system is because otherwise they're going to want, they're going to want the most every year because they're kids. That's how kids and birthdays are.
1: That's exactly. They want to maximize fun at all times or maximize as much as they can. I also liked that. Um, Cassandra said, everyone gets a small celebration with just our family on their special day, um, but we only have one real party each year. There's no way I could throw five parties each year. And that was very similar to what we did um, in our household for a very long time. Everybody would definitely get cake and ice cream and like two, three presents. We kept it pretty minimal with us, like just the our immediate family. And sometimes the aunt, you know, the aunt, uncle and cousins that lived in that town. So for a long yeah. time, it was my sister and her family. And you know, then we moved here, and now it's my brother and his family. um so those that was kind of like a standing invitation to those birthday parties. right but That was it. And then what I used to do is I would either have the boys rotate um or they had to have a shared party of some sort. so it it might be two shared parties. it might be the older two and then the younger two. but it was either that or they had to wait and go every other year and i I was flexible about it because, um sometimes they would be in a place where, like They would have lots of they would have lots of interest in a shared party. Like there would be something they all wanted to do. And like the group wouldn't be too out of hand. And we had the right kids to line up to invite. Uh And some years they had no interest in sharing a party. And then that was okay. And then one had it and the other one had to wait. And so it really did work. It was one of those like flexible rules, I guess, that um, that that over time kind of morphed. But that's fine. That's that's kind of what these do.
0: That's what they do. Did you see Sarah said Sarah said she was one of seven kids um, and her mom had certain years where you got a a, a friend party and that was it. And, but the years were established. So rather than rotating, it was like yes. when you were six, 10, 13 and 16, you got a big party. And the beauty of that is unless you have a whole bunch of twins and triplets in that seven, um, in which case you're probably combining anyway, but nobody's turning six. I guess you could have kids turning six Ten and thirteen in the same yeah, year. Yeah, that, that, that would be happen. hard. So you'd have yeah. to do it again. One size does not fit all. You would do it so that in your family those aren't ever lining up. Um, so right, and it's obvious that the
1: intervals that she gave them that yeah. she must have thought that way because it's like a four-year gap, a three-year gap, a three-year gap. So yeah. I'm sure that was part of her mastermind.
0: Yes, So <laughs> smart mom back there with seven <laughs> kids. Love it. I love it. Um, you mentioned siblings and pairs. Yeah. But Rebecca made the really good point um, that no matter what kind of friend party you're throwing or friend and family party or large or small party, transparency on both sides about whether siblings are invited is just so appreciated. And, and I think Rebecca made the point um, at both ends that um, if you're a guest, ask if siblings are invited if you don't know um, and don't just assume and bring a kid um, to the bouncy house place. that's already been paid for. And like each kid costs money. I've I've been there. Um, and if you're the one inviting, just be really clear. I think like you said, Megan, it don't assume that everybody wants everybody to be invited. A family may actually be very relieved that they can drop off the seven-year-old and the four-year-old's not included. And I, I've Mm. always appreciated knowing one way or the other. So I know it's, it's tricky, especially when you are in those friend groups where the siblings are all friends with each other and all the pairs line up. But the more you move along, the more parties you'll get invited to where it's not necessary and nobody expects you to include siblings and including siblings can can bring can bring a whole bunch more complication and cost. So I don't think you need to be afraid of not inviting siblings, but just be clear.
1: I have actually offered to take the sibling of the birthday child. Ooh, that's smart. The day of the party, because then that my younger or sometimes older kid, but often it was like a younger tag along sibling, my sibling my younger kid who's bummed out about not having a party to go to now has a built-in play date and that mom and dad don't have to now figure out how to fit their four-year-old into a seven-year-old birthday party or whatever it is. And that often happens. Like if you've got, um, if you've got a seven-year-old having a party with six of their same-aged peers, and then they've got like a tag along little brother or sister who's three or four or five, that can kind of be, it can create some tension points with the Uh siblings and, and just be a huge hassle for Parents, so if I was close enough um, with that, you know, with the mom to make that offer, I did that on more than one occasion. It felt like a super win-win
0: to me. That is so nice of you and so smart. And there's nothing worse than like a four-year-old whose birthday it isn't. That is like there is like there is no (laughs) more go on a (laughs) t-shirt. There's no more disappointed creature in the world than a four-year-old who is not having a birthday that day and has to. Be a part of somebody else's like a sibling. It's not. It's not pretty. So I love that. That's so no. nice of you. So nice. Of I you. used
1: to also. I used to also bring a little like if it was a gifts allowed party, I would always bring a little trinket for the younger sibling because I also felt like that took it, um, off of the like the parents didn't then feel like they had to do it. You know what I mean? Like because like, there could be some weird dynamics around that too. Like if mom and dad give the non-birthday kid a gift and it's not their birthday, like the birthday kid is kind of annoyed. But if some random mom coming by like gives them like a little pack of stickers or something. It just, it takes a lot of that. It diffuses it a little bit and they still get something to play with and they are excited about it. And I
0: would ask the mom first,
1: but it was always, it was never like a big deal.
0: And I think someone else mentioned that in their comment too. And I think there's like a window of time, like three, four, five, where that is particularly appreciated because you know, it's probably not the, the system you're going to set up forever in your house that like you always get a present on someone else's birthday but you're right it can go a little can go a long way um and can be really appreciated especially in those age ranges
1: three four uh, five is
0: definitely the danger
1: zone yes yeah and and you know you buy you might be it might be a little bit like pandering to that kid but the the piece that it buys you um is kind of
0: worth it. I think it, it, <laughs> so, like, it yeah. is, yeah. especially if you are hosting a large party for the for the birthday kid. But That's a stressful enough day in and of itself. So, um, I just noticed a common house rule that came through for a bunch of people that was: you have a party or you do an outing. And I think we've definitely mm-hmm. some people mentioned it as like um, an amusement park day or even at like a special like day trip with the family. Um, some people mentioned that the kid could choose, and other times it was more like at the you know the the age cutoff. Like you have a party till you're ten, and then we switch to small outings. Um, but I think we've all we all know the financial creep that happens as kids get older. The gifts that they want get more expensive. The the friends that like the parties can get bigger and more like out of control. So having some parameters that lets a kid. See that an outing or like a, a trip to the movies with ice cream and popcorn and all that might cost like comparable to do it up with a small outing versus to have right. like have it at scale with a bunch of friends um, can be a financial decision that I think older kids can kind of understand and choose, so a lot of people talked about that
1: yeah, and then another common house rule that I loved was that the family agrees to only attend one birthday party per weekend, and this kind of ties into what I was saying before about how. Most of the time, I feel like parents would be thrilled just to have their weekends more free yeah. and kids most likely won't notice if they get, you know, especially when it's like that time of life when they're getting a million birthday party mm-hmm. invitations, Um, you know, probably not like one less probably isn't going to ruin their weekend. But I like that in this case, it's the family that proactively says we're only going to do one. So then it, you got to be kind of choosy about which one it is. Yep. Um, and, and you could make that also, you only do one per month or one every other weekend that, I mean, I, I don't even, at some points of my family life, I remember it would have been very annoying for me to even give up one, one block of time every weekend. So
0: I will say that the phase where it feels like you're going to a million birthday parties is a, it's a self-contained phase. Like it, it, it comes into your life. It's really kind of a lot and then it goes away, but I love the idea of, setting that blanket statement way ahead of time so that you're you're not asking your kids to like turn down every party all the time but if you just say in our family we can only commit to one party a weekend um it gives you license to be like oh you know we're going to say no to this one this one and this one it normalizes saying no and the saying no to a, an I- invitation graciously is just what your family does it normalizes right. it from the beginning so that it's not a big deal later and um, you may not think that it's necessary until it's necessary. Do you know what I mean? Cause right. you're like, Oh, yes. I'm only getting an invitation once every few months and they're kind of fun and I like it. And then all of a sudden it is twice a month and then it's twice a weekend. So I, I would definitely recommend having like, what can your fan, what, it, what bandwidth do you have as a family and maybe putting that in place before you think you need it so that your kids see, see it normalized that they don't go to every party they're invited to. So I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at VionicShoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet.
1: Okay, Sarah. So this is kind of an interesting, um, twist on the gift conversation, which I know that we will, you know, that that's always a big one. And we've got some things to say specifically about receiving gifts, but then there's also like the whole question of, um, how to gift to the ki- your kids' friends. Right. And like, mm-hmm. do you have a-, a stockpile of gifts? Do you go to the store, especially for each kid? Like how much do you personalize? And that can become kind of overwhelming and expensive, Yep, especially if you like don't have a good system in place. And like, I've done this so many times had to run out. This is something I think I could have done much better if I'd had some rules around it. Um, but I did so many times when like I would take a kid and we'd run out to like the little toy store downtown or the bookstore. And that's great. I'd love supporting those businesses, but sometimes like buying a gift for like a random kid, they don't even really talk to that much, um, at the expensive toy store downtown proved to be, a little spendy when you multiply that times several birthday parties a year. So some of these are just really genius. Um, Ashley says our rules, our rule for gifts for friends parties is a small Lego kit, five to $10 range and dollar bills for their age. So like $6 for a sixth birthday. It works for both boys and girls, gives my child a choice in what their friend get gets, but limits the options. And we don't clutter up other people's houses with junky toys. And I love that too, because The, the child, the giving child does get to choose. And that's nice. Like it's nice to kind of give them some ownership over that. But if you just go give them like the whole toy store Uh. worth of ownership, you could be there for an hour. They could be trying to upsell you into getting some complicated gift. That's really expensive. Um, And so this, this just requires a little uh, forethought though, because you have to have the Lego kits ahead of time, or you have to be in a place where you can easily go to a place where you can get Lego kits in that dollar range. Mm -hmm. And you have to have dollar bills. So that's like you got to have a stockpile of dollar bills someplace in your house to make this work.
0: (laughs) I know, but I feel like if you the little bit of work required to do those two things, you're saving all of the mental load of picking out, you know, so it's like a high five to your future self, like deciding once as the lazy genius would say, like, this is how this is what we gift. And then you can, yeah, you can wait for a sale. You can pick up a whole bunch or you can do what Elizabeth says, which she stocks up on the friend birthday gifts at Tuesday morning. Do you have Tuesday morning, mm. Megan? Is that everywhere? Um,
1: I have been to a Tuesday morning. I don't have one in my current town, but I feel like I used when I don't remember where I lived, but I remember going to them and like, yes, a, bar- like
0: a bargain store. Um, I mean, you yeah. could do this at the dollar store or wherever you like to get inexpensive. We have a place called Five Below, which is similar. Yes, it's like a five.
1: dollar store, but everything's like five bucks ish. Mm-hmm. Yes. in that range
0: yeah I, I think the five belows are pretty awesome so anyway they elizabeth pre shops she stocks up an entire cupboard or closet worth of of different kid gifts so unlike ashley who does the same thing elizabeth does different ones but she shops all at once for a whole bunch and then her kid when they're invited to a party her kid gets to go quote unquote like shop the closet pick out something for the friend which is really cool because they still get the experience of like oh i think my friend would like this puzzle or this this craft kit um, but it's all, it's already purchased. So Elizabeth has already managed like the budgeting side. She's already made sure it's something she wants to buy. And each gift is 10 or $15 and her kids get that fun of shopping, but you don't have to take them to target in the right. toy aisle. So that's so genius. I really, I love that. So I love that too. And, and again, I
1: never had like the birthday gift closet shop. And I, it was one of those things I kept thinking, I need to do that. I need to do that. I need to do that. And then I kind of missed like now yeah,
0: I never did it if, either.
1: Yeah. um, I will say now that Clara is the one, you know, more consistently getting real birthday invitations, the boys now just any, all anyone wants is like Xbox points or money <laughs> at their age, teenager age. But Clara, you know, she still wants to give her friends gifts. And I I've made that really easy on myself by just taking her to CVS. It's uh-huh. right around the corner. She can buy things like fun scrunchies. Nail polish, makeup, yeah. um, a candy bar, put it all in a bag. We're in and out for like fifteen dollars or less, and, mm-hmm. and it's fun stuff. It's like like you know, ooh, like you're just going into this little mystery package. But it was. It took a long time for us to get to that phase, and that never would have flown with like the boys when they were toy age, because boys just the boys just wanted toys. Right. They didn't want hair accessories and stuff like that. They wanted stuff to play with. So right. um, yeah. yeah, I really I really like that idea of like stocking up ahead of time and being um, proactive about it because it does reduce cost and it reduces hassle. Yeah. So um Sarah points out, you know, if a parent puts no gift on the invite, please respect that. Um she said we have so many toys and I know that the no gift um invitations have become more common and that people have like sometimes really weirdly strong opinions about that and I just feel like my opinion is whatever the parent requests is the right thing to do and and ah. so it I find it puzzling When people try to sort of like layer or impose their beliefs about kids' birthdays onto other parents whose homes they're going into. I find that very strange. So I
0: agree. I mean, if you've ever accidentally missed the memo and just not seen that it was no gifts, I think I've done that. Obviously, like we're all leading very busy lives. But yeah, if someone says no gifts and you show up with a gift, how does everyone else feel who listened to the I'm such a rule follower? or like I'm such an instruction follower that it baffles me? Like, don't do that. If it says no gifts, don't bring a gift. It's your it's your free pass. So I know that in in different family cultures, gift giving is such a way to say thank you and to show love and appreciation. So it probably feels so foreign to show up empty handed but again, like, it's also it's a form of courtesy that you are doing with the what the, um, with the hosting family is requesting. I don't know. It baffles I, me. And I'm, I'm it probably baffles me, too. I, and I know, judgy, I, like, I,
1: like you said, sometimes you just miss the memo. I totally, mean, sometimes totally. I have literally lost invitations the minute they came in the door And the only reason my kids showed up at the party is because they came home from school that day and went, hey, aren't I going to this party? So then I'm like, oh, boy, what do I do? And then you have that question, like, is it a gift party? And I've actually told Clara before and the boys, I'm sure, like, just hold on to this closely. And if you don't see a gift table or I'll like walk in with them with it in my purse and kind of scout to see what there is. I've definitely been like that behind the eight ball mom. Or wait, would that be? Is that that is the correct term, right? I think you're so. behind the eight ball. It means you're you didn't do it right. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Um, and that's different than just blatantly disregarding. And I have to share something, Sarah. This is like a little judgy rant. Oh, that's pretty do it. rare that we do this. But Clara just went to sleep. It has something kind of vaguely to do with rules and gifts. Okay. Um, Clara went to sleepaway camp week before last. So now, by the time this airs, it would have been a few weeks ago, and loved it. By the way, but she. She was in a cabin with sixth to eighth graders. And the rules about what to bring and not bring were pretty, pretty clear. Like no uh-huh. electronics, no phones. They kind of would turn a blind eye, I guess, I heard, to the no phone thing, like at night in the cabin. But um Clara did not get to take hers. And the kids were not allowed to receive mail or gifts or anything like that. It's like what you came with was what you had. Uh-huh. We were allowed to send emails that then they would print out and hand oh, okay. to the kids. But there was no two-way communication. And Clara said there was There were these two girls who camped, who went together, who every day their moms had either dropped them off or maybe they had them like pre-stocked, like little care packages every day. So like one day these two girls got like press on nails and another day these two girls got candy and another day these two girls got like, I don't know, whatever, every day of camp they had like a gift from their moms. Yeah. And I just thought it was so ridiculous. Like, A, nobody else gets that. So yeah. what is the point? You're just trying to make your kid feel more special than everybody else. And B, they're not four, right? <laughs> they're like 12 or 13 and C, it was not following the rules. And I, I know. know we're rule followers for different reasons. But for me, the reason is like, you're making everyone feel bad. Like why, yeah. like for what point? So I think that was obviously very, very intentional and, uh, an intentional flouting of the rules. Yes. If, if you will, um, and Claire just said, well, the counselor seemed really annoyed by it. So I was like, I don't know. I wouldn't, I feel like if I was that counselor, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't have handed them out. But that is just like my, my once a year rant, but rant. it just is one of those things where it's like, ah, oh, the rules there for a reason. Like the mom made the request for a reason. Just respect it. I
0: There's agree. And especially in a time where like in impressionable tweens and young teens are like figuring out what the role of authority and rules is and already pushing boundaries. It drives me bonkers when again, I'm not talking about missing a memo or being confused about what you're supposed to do or not supposed to do. But when you when you're reading like a a structure or a rule or a guideline and then in front of your kid setting the example that (laughs) that doesn't apply to you, it's like, why? Why do we have to do that? You know, it's it's, yeah, you, you can we can find examples of that all over of parents like modeling for their kids that it's okay to pick and choose like what rules you follow, but that's for another time.
1: <laughs> Ooh, yeah. We should have an episode about like what happens when we make rules and like other people refuse to follow them. And mm-hmm.
0: that would be it's not um, pretty. No, just, we,
1: well, we just ranted like two episodes ago. Right. So
0: yeah, we should. Yeah. <laughs> last week. Yeah. Last week was very yeah, complaining. Um, well, this is not at all controversial. Kate, I, I included this one because I do this and that's the rule in Kate's house is that kids make a handmade birthday card for any birthdays that they are invited to. She said cards are expensive and a handmade card is so much more personal. And I'll admit that I had a a baser reason for this. I felt like if my kids were going to get to go jump on a trampoline, eat cake, get a goodie bag, that I wanted them to have some skin in the game. And often it was, you know, Saturday or Sunday morning and we're all doing chores around the house. And I wanted them to have a a physical and experiential like skin in the game for this party, I was gonna drive them to, drop them off at, or stay, and so um, we would put out the markers and the construction paper, and it was literally their ticket to entry. And I'd, I, there were times where I'd be like, "Oh, it seems like maybe you don't really want to go to this birthday party because you're having a hard time even just making a simple card for your friend." So maybe, maybe you don't want to go, and they're like, "No, no, I do want to go. I do want to go." So I, <laughs> in our family, making a handmade card is ticket to entry to anything you've been invited to. Even more, I know we haven't talked about thank you notes yet and we will get to it. I don't have a hard and fast rule about thank you notes. I do have the hard and fast rule about making a nice, it doesn't have to be your best work of art, but making a nice and writing a nice note and signing your name and putting a little thought into it has always felt like they, they, they don't have to do very much. They just get dropped off at this wonderland of fun and eat a bunch of sugar and pizza. And I want them to suffer a little bit before. So there you
1: go. (laughs) So Kate does that too. I love that. Well, we've talked a lot about gift giving. Let's talk a little bit about gift receiving being on the other end of that transaction, right? And thank you, Etiquette. And I think I just want to set the stage that I do think gifts in general are the place you'll probably see the widest, like the widest range of differences in opinion um, about how things should be handled. It's a little different than like number of kids to have at a party because there doesn't feel like any implied judgment in that or like it's like a a value choice. It's just like, here's what I do. because it's my budget or it's Mm -hmm. the size of my house or it's my ability to handle the hassle. Gift receiving can be more loaded um, Mm -hmm. and thank yous can be more loaded. And I think it's just important that we just point out that like, literally we're just going to give you a a sampling of the widely, like the huge variety of ways that people handle this stuff. And so you're going to hear a few of them, but just know that like maybe we're going to say four or five. And on top of that, there's like 45,000 other ways you could handle it. And yep. I don't personally think that there's like a value judgment no in any of these at all.
0: Not at all. But and it can I think,
1: feel that way sometimes.
0: Yeah. And I think having knowing what your family culture is and having your kids growing up kind of knowing what to expect, it just eases a lot of that comparison um, and maybe jealousy or, or keeping up with the Joneses. It's It's not that you can totally get rid of that, but I think you can mitigate that by by saying in our family, we fill in the blank. This is how we yep. do birthday gifts. And I think that's I think that's great for kids to grow up knowing, too. So what you're seeing is not the way we think you should do things. It's the way other people have created that family culture. But before we this was surprising to me. I actually didn't know that it was so popular to have no gifts from mom and dad at all as a a part of the family culture. Again, I'm not judging at all. But we had, I don't know, six or seven people say in their family, mom and dad don't Give any gifts to the birthday kid, and and the subtext was that they're either having a friend party where they're already getting a ton of stuff, or that they have a large extended family and the grandparents and the aunts and uncles and you know everybody does the spoiling for them. I think that's awesome if it works for your family. I was just a little surprised that it w- it seemed more common or more popular than I was aware of. So was that on your radar as a thing? Um,
1: not like as a like a house rule, but I definitely knew kids whose who would or people in my circles who would have such big birthday parties with their extended family that the, um, the result was just that they didn't want to add any more gifts to the pile, essentially. And I remember going to some of those parties with my kids and that my kids being floored and being like, you know, mom, like we only get three gifts on our birthday. And like I counted kids do count, you know, I counted and Luna got 75 or whatever, 13, something like that. (laughs) And my response was always, yep. Well, that's just not how we do it, because yeah. in my house, we didn't have the huge extended family bringing the gifts. So what we got, plus maybe what a friend or two brought was what they got. And and that's OK, too. Like everyone's doing it differently. And like, you know, there's no disease called toy deficit disease. Like no. that's not a thing. So um, your kids might be irritated that they didn't get the pile, but you know, what's suck it up, buttercup, like things aren't always going to look even in that way. And um, so I don't remember like hearing about a rule like that, but I think that there were families we hung out with where that happened.
0: Yeah. And I guess if I look back, I think a one year old and a two year old birthday with my own three kids, I'm sure for their first and second birthdays, Brian and I looked at each other and we're like, well, this kid doesn't need anything and they don't know any better. But I, I think when I read the comments, I was hearing this, even as kids got older, that it was just the established expectation that your gifts come from either friends or grandma and grandpa and that mom and dad don't do birthday gifts, which, again, if that's the expectation and you're sticking to it, then that's awesome. I just I um, it was it was new to me.
1: Well, and I think that, again, it's that trade off. So for, in my family, I would prefer to have the pleasure of choosing three, you know, three to four carefully chosen gifts for my kids on their birthdays. And then not having a huge right. family, extended family get together. Like, but that's my, like, that's a personal preference. Right. And I, right. I could have, I could have gathered many, many more people together for the kids birthday. Come on, said, come, one, come, all come on, come on, come on, bring a gift. So I don't have to do it. I mean, that would have been a, a, a fine choice too, but that's just not how it worked out.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So what else jumped out at you as we look at gift receiving and kind of etiquette around that?
1: Well, Heather, um, says that and i thought this was an interesting way of thinking about the birthday kid and the gift that they just got especially when their siblings involved like what would the rules be around other siblings being allowed to touch or play with the gifts and heather said new toys are just for the birthday kid to play with for the first day they do not have to share that first day now some might choose to um but after that they are encouraged to let their siblings play with the toys that they received so i like that i like putting some parameters and like almost like um a grace period or like a transition an entry period for the new toys before they become something more like communal property. And that said in our house, there were still always the random thing that was so special that it never really became community property, Mm -hmm. but that was pretty few and far between pretty rare. Um, And sometimes when you set up a rule like that to protect a kid who may feel a little more possessive about their toys you know, for the first day or like they may just really want time to get used to something with or like explore all the possibilities of this new Lego kit or whatever it is before a little sibling gets to come in and kind of mess it all up. Um, I have found that often when you kind of cater to those kids a little bit and give them like that freedom, they end up being more generous. It's like mm-hmm. the the pressure's off. So yeah. they don't have to share. So now so now they do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so that I don't remember having you know, that as a rule necessarily. But I think it's smart to have parameters around that. And you might be surprised by how generous and open to sharing a kid might be when it's not forced on them.
0: Yeah. And I'm thinking of how smart it is, too, for the siblings whose birthday it isn't, as we've, we've kind of touched on. It's a hard place to be if they know um, going in that there's no chance that they're going to get to drive a right. remote control car today, because in our family, that's, you know, that's Reed gets to just be as possessive as he wants today because it's his birthday Um, But but maybe tomorrow he'll be feeling ready to give you a turn. And then you're not man. You're not like trying to navigate those sibling conflicts. You've just declared it's like king for a day. You know, it's like you've declared Mm -hmm. that, like, you don't you don't even have to share a a little bit on your on your big day. So I like that a lot. Um, I loved this so much from Halston. Um, She talked about role playing opening gifts in front of other people when her kids were going into a birthday party situation. So when they are the birthday kid, they're going to be opening a bunch of gifts in front of other people, which, as we learned, not everybody does that. Some people choose not to open the gifts in front of people, and that's fine, too. But if your kid is going to be opening gifts in front of others, Halston says she helps them think about how they'll respond if if, if they get something they already have at home, if they right? get something they don't like, if they get something that was on their list, but they really wanted like. The tiger version and not the lion version, you know, and um, the way she wrote it was so sweet. I could just see her having fun. And I definitely have had these conversations with my kids, but I don't think I took it as far as role-playing. And I think role-playing is so, it's so helpful to kids. And I think it's helpful as a mom because you're trying to avoid the embarrassment of your kid being like, oh, I don't like this. Or I already have this. or I already have six of these at home. So you're just, you're just practicing with them. And I think that's so smart. And I think it's such a good reminder that these kinds of social graces take a long time to develop in kids. We've talked about this, how kids aren't, they're not born caring what other people think about what they say when they open a gift. Like those are learned skills and there's no more like public feeling than when you're the one everybody's watching at a party. So I just, I guess that's more of a parenting tip than a rule, but I thought it was so smart and it sounds like she's approaching it with a lot of like it's not like you're going to mess up and do it wrong but just giving them the skills for what to say when they open a gift i love it
1: okay so speaking of opening gifts in front of other people um neha has a a tip that's great but also i just think it's interesting because it like kind of speaks to this bigger theme that truly um people will have opinions about things <laughs> about mm-hmm. everything like no matter what you do someone will have some kind of opinion about it either because is different from what they do or it's the same as what they do or it's not what they grew up with or whatever. So Neha says we never open gifts at the party, too much pressure on the kid and really no fun for anyone to sit around and watch presents be opened. Well, Neha, you are a girl after my own heart because I, the, the small ish number of big little kid birthday parties that I have found myself at where the little kid is opening just like gift after gift after mm-hmm. gift, make me crawl out of my skin to the extent like, I don't really love opening gifts in front of other people because I, I do feel this big pressure to, like, yeah. really react with a lot Agreed. of excitement. I think I'm very, very good at it. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always delighted no matter what. But I bet if you watch, like, videos of my wedding shower or, like, my bridal showers, yeah, it's those probably are torture. Ridiculous.
0: It's torture. It really is. it's probably
1: me going, wow, uh, onesies. <laughs> I, just, I just know for sure that I overreact. Yeah. To in order to seem grateful. And I uh-huh. am grateful. So it's not, a, it's not even an act, but anyway, all that aside, I think watching a two-year-old or a three-year-old opening gift after gift is like slow torture. And I have found myself avoiding those situations. However, there are people who really want to watch your three-year-old open their gifts. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. a, you, you can't, you know, there's no accounting for what people get into and enjoy doing. And I don't, you know grandparents maybe aunts uncles whatever yeah. people who think that the gift they bought is amazing and they really want to see your 2-year-old's face and they open it there are people out there who would love nothing more than to sit and watch your child open their gifts and there are people for whom sitting and watching your child open gifts is like walking barefoot on coals but here's yeah. the thing you don't owe either of those people anything so Ooh, yeah. do what you like i mean mm-hmm. i guess that's like the that's the takeaway right cuz you can't please no matter what it is no matter whether it's like When happy birthday is sung, whether you do the gifts first and then cake or cake first and then gifts, whether you do gifts at all, whether like all these things, like people have their opinions and their preferences and it's really not your job to care Mm -hmm. as the parent of the birthday kid. Agreed.
0: Neha also said that they actually spread out the opening with one gift a day for the next like until until it's over. So that is definitely a way to continue the enjoyment and kind of, yeah. uh, reduce the overwhelm on that kid. Um, I don't know. It takes, I feel some, like discipline. Wrapping it takes paper some discipline. It would be really
1: hard for me to like, not, I, I would just want my kid to dive in and just open them all. But I, I do see the, the benefits of that. And she, she likens it to the 12 days of Christmas, which I've also never had the discipline to be able to do with my yeah. kids, but, <laughs> but I love the idea in theory.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. Um, Well, let's finish by talking about thank you notes because we got many, many different thoughts. Here's a common one. So if you're really, if you're truly looking for a tip and you want us to give you one, I would say a common idea was that if a child is able to thank the giver in person with eye contact and thank you and I I love it, I just opened it, you watched me open it, that a thank you note is not necessary. And then if they open it not in the presence of that person and they haven't been able to say an in-person thank you they write a note. I'm not saying that's what everyone's doing. I'm just saying for the people who were looking for some kind of a, a system or a rule, that seemed to be a common one. Um, there are also people who said they make their kid write a note for every single gift, every time, no exceptions. There were also moms who said they themselves are still writing thank you notes because their kids are too young and it just feels it just feels important to them to thank someone for every gift. We had another mom say that she makes her kids do um, almost like a pre thank you note that goes with the party favors. And I thought that was kind of clever because their kids were writing a thank you for coming to my party. Here's your goodie bag. And they were she had some skin in the game, similar to me, like forcing my kids to make a card. Her kids had to put together that little thank you goodie bag, but then they didn't have to then also write cards after the party was over. So that was kind of a middle ground. And there are plenty of people who have opted out of handwritten thank you cards. And to which I say it's the 21st century. And like you said, Megan, people are going to have very different opinions on this and their opinions are not your problem. So right. <laughs> I I think you can guess where I come down on this, which is I think there are ways to raise grateful kids that don't involve forcing them to write handwritten thank you notes. Just like we talked about, there's ways to raise kids who know how to clean a bathroom without like having cleaning the bathroom on their weekly Saturday chore chart. I just think there's, there's many means to the same end. And, um, I have not made my kids write thank you notes every time I have sometimes asked them to write thank you notes. If I have felt that they are in a particularly ungrateful stage of life and taking a lot for granted, Or if I thought that they need practice with their handwriting and their social skills, I have used it as like, hmm, this year, I think so-and-so is going to write some thank-you notes because I feel like it will benefit them somehow or it fits the situation. But I have not made a blanket rule about this. And I definitely don't think you're rude if you don't have your kids write thank-you notes. There you go. I'm stepping off my soapbox.
1: Well, that was quite a soapbox for you to um, break a rule so hard, Sarah. Like it's it's unlike... You, you created your own rule. My anti-rule. Um, is Your anti-rule. And I guess, you know, with with any of these things, and, and I guess I would say I've also been a little more all over the place, especially like I have definitely required my kids to write thank you notes when it's like an out-of-town elderly relative who sends a really nice gift. And I want that elderly relative to feel acknowledged. Uh-huh. Um, so for me, it's usually, it stems less from the motivation it'll have or the effect it'll have on the kid and more about the way it'll affect the gift giver, yep. which is kind of the point of manners. The point of manners is not about the person doing the thing that's mannerly, but how it makes the other person feel. And like you said, I think there's so many ways to teach that. And mm-hmm. um, any of these things, whether, whether we're talking about like gifts or thank yous or how to receive guests or how to deal with like the unexpected sibling who shows up, even though you really didn't want siblings or whatever it is, what is the end goal? Like, what is the thing we're trying to accomplish? And, and what it is is I, it, I think at least this is my value is that I'm trying to raise kids who um, know how to be gracious and make other people feel welcome and included mm, yeah. and, um, and are grateful and just like kind of roll with the punches. Like those are, those are values that are important to me. So that's what I'm trying to get at with, that, with whatever rule I set. Um, and so if you know what the end, like if you know why you're doing something or why you're not doing something rather than just doing it because everybody says on the internet says yes. you should or there was like a really cute Instagram post about how you should write thank you notes or whatever, then you're going to arrive at the right choice for your family. And it, it may look completely different from someone else's right choice. And that, makes, that doesn't make their choice any less right um, or, your, or your choice any less right.
0: Okay. That was so um, brilliantly said. And I feel like it brings us right back to where we started this episode. The very first house rules or tips we gave were about how to decide what kind of celebration to have. And I guess I, I obviously I'm sure you can tell I'm a little more in favor of small celebrations than big classroom parties, but I also acknowledge that there's a time and a place for both. But I guess I would go in knowing that the larger scale your kid's birthday celebration is the more your mental load, your mental gymnastics, as you always say, Megan, will include things like, do we open gifts at the party or after? Do we send thank yous for all of them or just to grandma? All of these other things um, are impacted by the size and style of the celebration you have. So if you decide to have a really small family-only gathering where the kid only opens four or five, six gifts from those who are present, not only have you declared that to be like, how you're celebrating this year. But do you notice how many of those other things literally didn't even become an issue? Right. So if you're if you're someone who takes on a lot of obligation, you're an obliger or a people pleaser or you want to do things the right way, I would just maybe suggest thinking about the size of the celebration. Um, the bigger it is, the more all of those things scale, the smaller it is you may be able to do things like really custom invitations or decorations or the things that make your kid really happy because you're doing it on a more manageable scale. So I don't know, yeah. that's what I, that's something that I've found over the years.
1: All right, Sarah, well, this was fun. Um, and I know we've had a couple of house rules episodes that people seem to be loving. And the idea of this is really fun. So what should our next one be? Are we going to solicit more ideas?
0: I, I would like to. Um, I, I want to say we got some ideas from people when we did. The very first one was House Rules for Sibling Harmony. And then we did House Rules for Travel and Vacation and now Birthdays. So um, we will be continuing the discussion in our Facebook group, which is really where we're this is where the House Rules conversations have kind of landed just because the format of a Facebook group really allows threaded comments and fun discussion. So hop over there to the Facebook group if you're not already there. And let us know what, what, other, um, what other challenges would benefit from a House Rules discussion where we can get everybody weighing in. So definitely let us know. You can also email us. We're hello at themomhour.com. So that works, too.
1: And if you're listening to this today, the day it drops on July 27th, um, I would love a happy birthday message. I don't usually ask for those. Because I, I don't know, like, I feel weird doing that. But, like, if you wanted you to say should. happy birthday to me, I would love that. It would make me happy, especially because it's a Tuesday.
0: And you know what you else? Know? I'm traveling today, the today that So you won't be dropping. around to, like,
1: you know, lavish me with happy birthdays. I know. Like you all do. have
0: to step up and make Megan feel so loved. I think you should ask for that because I really like my birthday. And I really like people to pay attention to me on my birthday. And you deserve that, too. So everybody... Um, find Megan on the internet and wish her happy birthday on Tuesday, July 27th, or later if you're catching this yeah. like, you know, in November. Just make sure happy she had a year. happy birthday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> in November, like, so how was your birthday,
0: Megan? I'll be like, I don't remember it. Was like, why birthday. are you asking me? <laughs> All right. Well, we will talk to everybody next week and happy birthday, Megan. Thank you. Talk to you later.
1: That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash the mom hour.